Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above us for today, Monday, February 6th. It's good to be here this morning. I had a wonderfully restful, well, sort of restful weekend. Of course, anytime you go away, you're doing things, right? You're going places and hanging out with people and eating foods maybe that you don't normally eat, but we had a good time nonetheless. It was a birthday party for uh, Noah, who is my step-grandson. I don't think of him as step. I just think of him as, you know, grandson. And uh, we had a great time going swimming and playing in the hot tub and just being, it was being in kid energy. It was really fun. Uh, so today we are going to be talking about a couple of different things. First of all, the moon, which we always like to talk about finding out where is our inner self focused for uh, the day or for the next couple of days anyway. And then it is Monday. So we're going to take a look at the week ahead and what the transits might be for the week and what to watch out for, for the week. And the biggest news, as far as I'm concerned for the week happens today with the node shift into not a new sign, but a new facet of the sign of Taurus and Scorpio. And when that happens, it changes up a bit the lessons that we're learning. And uh, this one happens to be a big one near and dear to all of our hearts, I'm sure, because it has to do with self-nurturing and how we take care of ourselves uh, juxtaposed against how we take care of others. And of course, we'll break that down in just a few minutes. The week ahead itself isn't particularly difficult. Um, you know, like some weeks we're like, ah, pulling our hair out because all these things are happening. We do have a couple of transits this week that are, they're not hair raising ones, they're sextiles. We do have a conjunction of Mercury to Pluto. Uh, that's probably the most powerful one of the week. And then right after that, Mercury shifts signs. So it's like he's, you know, conjuncting Pluto, the transformation agent, and taking that on into a new sign, which Pluto, of course, will do next month. And uh, that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about, the, the week ahead, the moon today, and of course, the nodes. And we're going to break it down by both north and south node, because there's something to learn with both of them. But good morning to those of you who are checking in already. Debbie tibbetts Tumiel, it's good to see you out there. Pam Zaruba says, good morning. The full moon energy was amazing, especially added to a Reiki share. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, my son was a, is a Leo. And he was like, I don't know what's wrong with me today. I can't seem to focus. I said, oh, that's just because the moon is in your sign and it's going to be full here in about, it was like two hours. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, that makes sense. So uh, by the time the new, the full moon happened, he was like back to his uh, usual self. It's kind of fun to watch uh, astrology in action with the people in your lives, right? He, he knows astrology only because he, you know, lived with his mother who was an astrologer, uh, but he doesn't know astrology. So even when he's experiencing it for him, he's like, oh, he doesn't think, oh, this is astrology or that this is, you know, something going on with uh, the moon or the sun or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, it was kind of fun for him to be able to see it in action. Good morning, Kathleen Mallory and Gayla Seeger. It's great to see you. She says, hello, galactic souls. I love that. Very nice. Good to see you. She says, 
Uh, good morning from Tahiti. Oh my goodness, what a wonderful place to be this morning. Treat Yourself says good morning, everyone. So it's good to have you all with us and thank you for checking in first thing this morning. So let's start with where the moon is right now. And the moon is still in Leo, right? We have the moon in Leo still, but he is, in, or she, the moon, is in the void, meaning that she is not making any new contacts or connections before she changes signs. And so we find ourselves with the in the last degrees of Leo. Let's see if I can find that. The moon right now at 26 degrees, 49 minutes of Leo and entered the void this morning at 6.16 a.m. West Coast time. So that might be 9.16 a.m. for those of you on the East Coast, where she will remain until 1.15 West Coast time. So literally most of your workday, if you are on the East Coast of the U.S., is going to be with the moon in the void. So it might not be a day to start something new or to get things rolling, but it might be a good day to clear off your desk or to finish up things that maybe you didn't get finished before the weekend started. Uh, but it's definitely going to be a slower morning as the moon is sort of wandering around until that 1.15, 4.15 p.m. And at that point in time, Leo becomes gives way to Virgo and then we start our Virgo week, which we have for a, a couple of days this week. Now, the moon in Virgo, let's talk about what does that mean for all of us. Now, if you have your own charts in front of you, then you know that you have Virgo in your life somewhere, right? We all have all 12 signs of the zodiac around the wheel. If you need your own personal wheel, you can go to my website. If you don't have that, www.living-astrology.com. I'm going to type it in here real quick and then show it for everybody because you can get your own, oops, not the hyphen first. Uh, you can get your own copy of a uh, an astrology chart and a human design chart, which of course I always, always, always recommend because we're, we're living astrology, right? We're living out these transits. And if you don't know where that is happening in your own chart or understand how it's affecting your own life, then you're kind of at the mercy of the transits rather than being able to be empowered by them or to be watchful for them, right? So like, for example, I always know as soon as the moon is going to go into Virgo, it's going to hit my natal Pluto and it's going to hit my natal moon in the third house, right? The third house of communication, the third house of the mind and teaching. And so that always is like, oh, good time for me to do specific things. You also have Virgo, like I said, somewhere in your chart, you'll have Leo somewhere in your chart, the moon moving out of one house and into the other and preparing you then for what Virgo represents. And in this case, the moon in Virgo represents our working life, right? The work that we do, how we serve others, right? I'm an astrologer. I serve others by educating them on astrology or by doing readings or helping people through coaching sessions using their astrology. That's my work life. And you all have a work life in some respects, right? Even if you're retired or you don't actually have a job, you still do work of some kind. You still serve in your family or in your communities in some kind of role. So when the moon moves into Virgo, it really represents the work you do 
as well as the people that you work with. So your colleagues or your employees or uh, the, the just your coworkers, right? Um, and it represents then the workplace, right? The, the place you go to do your work. And then as well, then the daily rhythm, the habits, the work that you do in terms of what's repeating every day, right? So we all have jobs where we have to do certain things every day. And those are the things that I'm talking about here with Virgo energy. So it's the routines and the habits and the things that we do. And then again, you know, a part of that might be our to-do lists, right? The things that we have on our to-do list to do. It's Monday. So maybe you have laundry to do. Maybe you shop on Mondays or, you know, whatever it is. So uh, it's a good time to have lists ready of things to do. Uh, in the sixth house of the astrology chart is what Virgo actually reigns over. And because of that, it has an association then with the body and with the health of the body. So when the moon moves through Virgo, we might also see uh, health conditions or things to do with health that come up. And that might be exercising, you know, moving our bodies more. Uh, it could be about diet. What am I eating? What am I feeding myself? Uh, health regimens, right? What's the vitamins I take? What's the exercise I do? What's the, you know, the meditation I do? All of the different things that are, I do that support my health and whether I do them or not, right? Maybe, maybe we don't have those things and it's an opportunity to set something up or schedule yourself for health uh, considerations. And it is also a sign about everything in moderation. On the opposite side of Virgo is Pisces. And in Pisces, things can get blurred, like how many drinks did I have? How much food did I eat? You know, the, the tendency to go overboard on the Piscean side is moderated at the Virgo side. So we can, you know, have to understand or come to understand what does moderation mean? Everything in moderation. And that could be exercise. It can be eating. It can be anything in our lives where we tend to go overboard in Virgo. We can take a look at that and moderate, right? Bring it into some sort of balance. And then this is also a sign of healing, healing, but also more of the alternative type of healing. It's not specific to going to a regular MD kind of doctor, although if that's necessary, then of course it is part of that. But there's really the more alternative things that we do, um, the more home or traditional healings that we do. So often with Virgo energy, all of the alternative types or complementary types of healing are uh, engaged with us or we engage with them. And uh, then, you know, we can find uh, the need as well to release toxicity out of our lives during this period of time. The toxicity part actually resides in uh, Pisces, the opposite side. But since Virgo's uh, idea is about getting healthy, then releasing toxics our toxins or toxicity in our lives is important when the moon goes through Virgo. And that can range from releasing toxic emotions, uh, toxic people, toxic environments, toxins that we're eating or ingesting. So all of that, of course, is a part of what we're experiencing in the moon with the moon in Virgo. Uh, getting organized. We know Virgo as the sign of organization, seeing to the details of things, 
and making sure that the details are taken care of, right? We can see the big picture, but if we don't focus on the details, we might miss something obvious and that can you know, become a problem as time goes on. But as well, Virgo has a tendency to focus so much in on the details that they fail to see the bigger picture. So it becomes a, a need to balance, right? Seeing the details, but also being aware of what that bigger picture is. And then anything to do with organization, cleaning and organizing, cleaning out closets, right? Restructuring, reforming, uh, you know, uh, things that help us to stay organized or to become organized, right? Your day planner, from your day planner to the cabinet that's out of order, right? I found myself often <laughs> rearranging my spice rack, right? Putting them in alphabetical order. I once took my closet and, and arranged it in rainbow order by color, right? So Roy G. Biv, right? That's how my clothes hang in my closet in rainbow order. That's taking Virgo a little bit to the nth degree, but eh, it keeps things organized. Like I know where blue goes. I know where pink goes. It's kind of funny, but I did do that. Uh, as well, now we're also looking at perfecting and efficiency. And here's where Virgo does shine like nothing else, right? They can really get into something and perfect it. They can see where if we just tweak things a little bit, it would be in smooth running condition or smooth order. And uh, that breeds more efficiency in our systems, in our habits, in our routines. So we might all be feeling sort of the organization bug for the next couple of days. Um, discernment is another key of the moon in Virgo. You know, Virgo is also known as an analytical sign. It's ruled by the planet Mercury. So Mercury, you know, is a planet that rules the mind and communication and the things that we do, you know, locally um, uh, and all of that kind of thing. But in Virgo specifically, Mercury takes on a very analytically thinking mind or the ability to critically think, I guess is how we would uh, describe it. You know, when you were a college student or maybe even in high school, you know, they were teaching you to critically think, right? Using logic as a way to analyze a situation or analyze a, a problem and then to use critical thinking to discern what comes next or how do we solve this problem. Now, that's very Virgo, right? That's very Virgo energy. And, you know, discernment, being able to, to tease out what's true and what is not true. There's also that here. Plans, planning, goal setting. Uh, it's an earth sign, Virgo's earth. So we have, you know, some of that, that Capricorn speciality of plans and goals and following those diligently in Virgo, right? Virgo is also one that does best with a sort of plan, although I bet they're not as specific, although they can get, you know, into that perfectionism and that could possibly cause those plans to get too narrowed. But they're also very calm in a crisis. Virgo kind of gets into their work mode and gets, you know, kind of organized around, okay, what needs to be done first? What needs to be done next? And, and does that very easily in the crisis times. But we do have to watch for a few things, of course. We always do with every sign. And especially in Virgo, we can have a tendency to get into anxiety, to get into worry. And it can be triggered because the mind is very active. It could be triggered because of that nitpicky perfectionism, 
right? That that's a more negative expression of perfectionism is the nitpickiness, right? Or I'm tearing apart something because one little thing is wrong, right? Or what I perceive that one little thing is out of order. And of course, then once we do release whatever it is, assuming we do release whatever it is we're working on into the world, then that constant fear, fear or worry that it isn't perfected or it isn't good enough or there's a problem with it, uh, that is a, a very Virgo kind of thing. Uh, blaming, blaming others for what's happened, right? Never really taking it on ourselves and seeing how we played into the role of, you know, blame. Uh, overthinking. And of course, overthinking is also a part that can play into worry and anxiety. And, you know, in human design, when we look at this, we also know that, you know, that kind of worry and anxiety can come from a mind that is overactive. That is maybe if your, uh, if your Ajna, for example, is open in your human design, which means it would be white. And that's the second center down from the top then you might be picking up everybody else's thinking patterns or worry or anxieties. And then the, the open center has a tendency to take all that energy in and then amplify it and then rebroadcast it. So you become more worried, you become more anxious than everybody around you, but it wasn't even yours to start with, right? So we've got to watch for those kinds of things. All right, questions. Let's see other people showing up this morning. We have JLo, hello to you. Corey, she says, my moon is in Leo. I've been trying to work all morning and I'm struggling creatively, likely because the moon is in the void, right? Right now, I, I started the show with that this morning. It's in Leo, but it's wandering around, right? So maybe the best things to do are to clean off your desk or finish things that you start, hadn't, you know, that haven't been finished or, um, you know, return phone calls to people, that type of thing, rather than trying to push forward on something because the moon is wandering around until 1.15 p.m. Pacific time or 4.15 p.m. East Coast time. And Corey, I think you're in the Eastern time zone, maybe Central. Uh, good morning, Tom. It's good to see you out there this morning too. Leslie Tankersley Arboleda, good morning from Denver. I hope you're doing well there. I know that they were getting a lot of snow at some point here and uh, treat yourself. Oh, I saw you. Good morning to you. Corey says, good morning. All forgot to say that Barbara Doton. Hello. I've been thinking about you for a while now. Terry Lee Strauss. Good morning. OMG. I could not sleep. Why does this happen around the full and new moon? Because you are a reflector, my dear, and reflectors are lunar beings. When we have a full moon, we have the moon bright all night, right? It is all night. So it's triggering out your, your more outer world self. And then when we have the new moon, we have a very internalized moon. So what we have it for you is the possible inner, you know, mind going on and on with the new moon and the outer body and world going on and on for you during a full moon. So paying attention to the moon is really good for you. Treat yourself. I do it by color too. Let's hear it for that. Uh, Christine says, good morning to everybody. It is great to be here. And by the way, I don't know if you've all heard of this. I, I'm sure you all have that there were two very big earthquakes in Turkey over the weekend. Last night, I think it was probably eight or nine o'clock. I saw that flash across my screen. And uh, then they, it was followed by another, you know, 7.8 or 7.7 .7 this morning. 
So with all the, you know, aftershocks in between that were a pretty good state. Well, when I was looking at the map of where it was in Turkey, I realized that um, our, our friends Pia and Colin live not too far from there. They live on the island of Cyprus, which is in the Mediterranean Ocean, but very close to uh, Turkey, like between Turkey and Africa, kind of right, you know, in that in that zone. And I know that the uh, proximity to that earthquake, they, they likely felt that earthquake. So I've sent a, a message to them. I don't think I have heard back from them yet, though. And that may be, you know, maybe, uh, oh, here it is. She says, thanks for caring about us and checking on us. We are safe. Awesome. The quakes are about 200 to 250 miles from us. So yes, very close. We always feel earthquakes in our bodies before they happen, much like animals. And yesterday and today, we have felt very, very sick. But that always passes. And when Gaia calms down, our systems will calm down also. She says, I've never seen so many quakes so close together and for such an extended time. And we do watch them. Also, most of them were in the high ranges, not simply small aftershocks. And that's true. I was kind of surprised how big the aftershocks were. And anyway, it's good to know that they are doing well. I was really glad to hear that from them. So glad they, they reached out. Uh, one of the other interesting things about it is I, I didn't realize, you know, I I know all about the, the Cascadia subduction zone that I live off of. I could tell you almost anything you need to know about that. But I didn't realize that Turkey sits on the Anatolian plate and that that plate is twisting counterclockwise and moving west. So that's why they end up with a lot of big earthquakes because the, of the mechanics behind what's going on in on that particular plate. So we, we often see, you know, fairly large quakes in that uh, part of the world because, you know, not only that, but the, you know, oh, I could go on and on the Eurasian plate pushing up, then twisting Turkey and moving it westward. Mother Earth, she is alive. She's alive and well. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad they are safe too. So, and blessing, I, I just saw a death count at like 2300. So sending lots of blessings to that part of the world um, right now as they're dealing with a major catastrophe in the, in the cold of winter as well. Okay, so let's take a look ahead at what the week's energies will bring to us. It is not necessarily a bad week. We just have, you know, some regular transits to deal with. And I, as I had said, you know, uh, when we looked at February initially, it's kind of the space <laughs> between the uh, January energies that were kind of, you know, moving us forward and March's energies that will take us and, you know, shift us into many different new forms. So February is a good time for us to sort of, you know, get clarity around what we want to do or who we want to be uh, to make some, you know, choices that set us up to be able to move forward in some powerful ways. And this week is kind of like that, right? It's a week that's starting to, you know, tick up the energy, but push us in a new direction. And that begins today with the nodal shift. Now in human design, the nodes shift more quickly. They're not shifting signs, right? The shifting signs happens every 18 months or so in astrology. So we are, you know, not shifting out of Taurus and Scorpio energy until we get to July. But in human design, we have these gates and so forth that take up fewer degrees of the zodiac. So we have more 
patterns shifting in a nodal uh, axis <laughs> than what we do presumably in the astrology part of it or that we're aware of in other words so we're getting a little bit more into the details of what's shifting within us when we have a, a node across an axis okay so today that node shifts and in a little bit we're going to go into more detail about that so i don't want to bring all that up now but just know that the nodal shift means that we're taking on a different perspective of taurus scorpio energy okay and as well today, we have Mercury in a sextile to Neptune that can contribute to some foggy thinking, even though it's a sextile, right? But Neptune, think about this, Mercury rules the mind and Neptune rules everything nebulous, the not mind, the consciousness, just consciousness and what, you know, is being and trying to make the mind work in that kind of energy can be very difficult. The mind wants to be disciplined. It wants to see patterns. It wants to work in logic and in the sequence of logic. And Neptune is definitely not logical, but it's very intuitive. So if your mind is willing to be more intuitive and to just go with the flow of Neptune, then the sextile works in your favor where you can intuitively be in the right place at the right time with the right opportunities, even the right people, and or get, you know, this uh, kind of dreaminess of what comes next, right? Sort of that intuitive, instinctual uh, feeling. But it's also very dreamy energy. So our minds get a little more dreamy, get a little bit more imaginative, perhaps, uh, get a little bit more flowy. Remember, Neptune is in Pisces and we have Mercury still in Capricorn. So Mercury wants to think in order, linearly, uh, step by step and Neptune in her in his own rulership Pisces doesn't think that way at all so today we might have to think spherically <laughs> let it go spherical rather than straight line because that's where the anxiety and the worry and the the upset is going to happen if you try to do everything in this logical sequence so give in a little bit to the more intuitive imaginative dreamy side of yourself and uh, live there a little bit today. Tomorrow, Venus comes into a sextile with Uranus. That is a, a recipe for some excitement within relationships uh, to be able to, you know, meet new people perhaps or enjoy new people or new, you know, people of a different group or in some way to elevate your uh, communication with people, uh, your um, money you might have surprise income tomorrow or in the next few days uh surprising things that can happen with venus ruled things right which is money relationships love and romance values self-worth okay so things around that now i just put that in terms of like exciting surprises <laughs> but there can also be the ones that you know can cause or trigger us to go into fear or to have issues but it's a sextile so it's likely the better part of things right the more exciting things that can happen on wednesday we shift the human design week we move into the sun at gate 49 the gate of revolution and the earth into the gate four possibilities so if we are rising to the challenge of possibility seeing things in terms of what more is possible then the revolutionary energy just happens organically right we don't have to have outer influences that create the revolution because we're willingly moving forward based on possibilities what more is possible right 
on Thursday, there is no new, uh, there probably are some minor little things going on, but no new big transits or anything happening. Friday's the biggest day of the week with the moon, with Mercury, excuse me, coming into the conjunction with Pluto. Now, Mercury at that point still in Capricorn. In fact, the Pluto today is at 28 degrees, 51 minutes, almost to that 29th degree of Capricorn. And Mercury is the messenger. And remember, not too long ago, during the middle of the retrograde, Mercury's retrograde back in December, January, he made a conjunction to the sun. And that's almost what I always think of as Mercury picking up new energy, picking up new orders, if you will, from the sun. And, you know, it's Mercury's job after that conjunction to deposit that information around the zodiac as he moves the fastest other than the moon. And, you know, moves through all of the planets over the next 88 days, 90 days, let's say. And in that process, he is depositing new information, but he also gets, he picks up information from the other planets. So what is he picking up from Pluto, right? Pluto. And in this case, you know, the mind is very activated and it is also transformed. So Mercury being transformed by Pluto, but he is also depositing new information to Pluto from the sun. Think of it like people, right? Taking messages. He's a messenger and uh, Mercury is. Mercury, the messenger, has a message from the sun and he's moving along. That sun, by the way, was also in Capricorn at that point in time when they made their conjunction. And he's got a new message, a new Capricorn message he's depositing to Pluto, who will take then and finish over the next year his, his uh, transit through Capricorn. So what is that going to look like? What's it, you know, to me, it sounds to me like, you know, a final, a final change being enacted in our larger um, institutional uh, look or our governments or corporations that needs to be transformed. I, I, I almost use the word death now, but I, I don't want to think, make of it that it's something bad or negative, but the whole idea of Pluto and Capricorn has been to expose the weaknesses in all of the institutions that we've come to, you know, uh, trust or to depend on. And of course that, you know, can't go on, that can't go on. Those, uh, those, all of those institutions and the, those, uh, the government and corporations were all built upon the air, or I mean the earth energy of the last 200 years. And now, as we talked about, we've moved into air energy. And so there's a, a difference in between earth and air right? Earth kind of in the more negative energy can be greed and materialism and consumerism and uh, capitalism and all of that kind of uh, turns out to not be very sustainable. It turns out to be very resource heavy, right? Eating up our resources and not something that we can sustain in the long run. So we've moved that energy now into air and, you know, air has its own problems and it's not containable, but whatever it is that happened in the earth age that wasn't going to be able to be going into a future would be um, weakened and likely crash and burn or fall or be transformed, 
That's Pluto's orders, right? Transformation. So regeneration, we can use that word too. So it's not that everything has to fail and come crumbling down. Some things will, some things have, but how do we regenerate, right? We don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, not for everything, but what can we do to create more sustainability in the systems that we have, in the governments that we have, in the institutions that we have? Right. So that's the uh, that's possibly, you know, Mercury delivering that new message. Now, personally, it might also happen in your own life. Right. That you have been engaged with things that are not sustainable or that you have been maybe lagging behind in the need to transform something in your life. And Mercury bringing in the sun's energy to Pluto may enact that in your own life. So wherever Capricorn is in your own personal chart is what you're very aware of at this point, I'm sure, of what needs to change, of what is not sustainable, okay? So again, knowing your chart, knowing your chart, knowing where these things are happening or transiting through your chart, very, very helpful, right? If you know, for example, that Capricorn is on your seventh house of relationships, then there's likely something that's transforming in that arena, right? That something is changing in the relationship cycle or in your agreements that you've made with people, the bargains that you've made or the con contracts that you've signed, a need to rewrite those things perhaps, right? Uh, 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 having Capricorn on your first house would be something personal in you that has to change, right? Maybe you've got stagnant in your viewpoint and you need to broaden out your horizons a bit. It's going to be different for everybody, but that's why knowing your own chart is so helpful. All right, that's Mercury conjunct Pluto. And then the very next day on Saturday, Mercury moves out of Capricorn and into Aquarius. And he begins the process of becoming inventive, turning things upside down, looking at them from the underside, perhaps, or, or looking at it sideways. Um, Aquarius is always going to be more inventive and innovative and sees things in a unique sort of way, even an eccentric sort of way. Mercury, then the mind looking at things from a different point of view. And Aquarius is an air sign and Mercury does well in air. He is part, he is the ruler of Gemini, a fellow air sign to Aquarius. So even if there's something that we've realized that needs to transform when Mercury was conjunct Pluto, his next move is into a new sign that says, okay, let's look at new solutions. Let's look at new ways to solve old problems, right? Let's do it differently. And that's what Mercury does next on Saturday. And then on Sunday, there are no new um, transits to speak of. There might be, like I said, little minor things that happen, but all in all, then the week is pretty mild, right? Pretty mild. Now that doesn't mean that everybody's going to have a mild week, right? It, it really depends on how your own chart is um, situated. And again, I left my, if you're on YouTube, you're seeing on my screen, my living-astrology.com website uh, address so that you can go to my site and get your free astrology chart and astrology report or your human design chart and report or get both, right? Get both. Uh, okay, questions. I don't see any. That's a good thing. So let's start talking then about the shift of the nodes. 
Now we did talk about this a little bit on Wednesday when I had Tam with me, because it's a big deal when the nodes shift in terms of human design. But you know, what are the nodes? I mean, I think we talk about the nodes a lot. You have the nodes in your own personal chart, right? You have your own north node, south node axis, and that represents what you are here to uh, evolve through, right? The evolution of your own consciousness. And wherever your north node is, that is your future potential, right? That is where you're moving toward. And wherever your south node is, this is the anchor point from which your uh, imprints from your past have are kind of anchored into the body or into the emotional field, your spiritual field. And it's where the reactive responses arise from within us. And they come up in the south node for us to release. And as we release them, it gives us the energy and the space to be able to move more toward the future potential of the north node. So all of us have this going on personally in our own charts. But there's also the transiting north nodes and south node. And that is actually sort of a call for us on a collective basis, right? So collectively, what are we being called to as future potential? And collectively, what anchor points have we been uh, imprinted with that are in its time to release, right? Or it's coming up for us to release. Now, from for the whole time that we, you know, the, the, the transiting nodes take about 18 months to move through a sign and or a pair of signs because they're moving, uh, you know, across an axis and they move backwards into a sign. They're always in retrograde motion. So they start from the 29th degree and they move to the zero degree. So the nodes today, for example, are, let's see, where are you? Uh, the south node is at seven degrees, 33 minutes of Scorpio. And then the north node would be at seven degrees, 33 minutes of Taurus. So they're always moving in lockstep and they backward their way into a sign and move to the zero degree. And then they approach the next sign. So they're always, they're counting backwards, right? So instead of going Aries to uh, Taurus to Gemini in the way of the world that we see in, in uh, the horoscope, they are going the opposite way. So from Pisces and then to Aquarius and then to Capricorn and so on. Well, they've happened to go into Taurus and uh, uh, Scorpio, the North Node in Taurus, the South Node in Scorpio, and next they will go into Aries and Libra. Okay. But that doesn't happen until this summer. But what we are entering into in terms of human design now is the last pair of gates that are fully across the Taurus and Scorpio borders. And the future potential then is lies in our mastering this energy, right? And we've had to master other energies. The whole Taurus North Node started with the, the uh, sun, or with the North Node at gate eight which is the gate of finding our contribution. What are we here to give to the planet and releasing the old ideas of, of only doing what we love if it brings us money, right? Prosperity was the other end, 14. And we, we were learning that to find prosperity and bounteousness, if we go to the gene keys with that gate 14 in the South Node, that we would then find that prosperity in are contributing our authentic gifts into the world. 
that we we don't go out into the world and choose uh, the most you know uh, pricey um, job if that's an old paradigm, because if we do that, you know, we're often putting ourselves in a position to do something that we really don't love, right? So following in our family's footsteps, for example, being expected to go into the same business as your father or your your parents were, um, definitely something that we are letting go, right? In favor, as the start of this transit, in favor of really finding our contribution point. What is it we wanted to give? Then we moved to the 23 and the 43. And then the lesson became about simplifying our lives. Taurus has a very simple sort of uh, need, right? Just basics, right? Sensualness, being grounded, being practical. And that was against the South Node's tendency to kind of comp be complex, right? The South Node at 43 um, could, could generate epiphanies for us or bring up breakthrough energy but often we would be in resistance then uh, to that simplifying process. Yet if we were willing to simplify, we would have been moving into our future potential, right? This is collectively again. And then we had the shift into the gate two and the gate one. And the gate two was also where Uranus has been sitting. And we were learning about allowing, being receptive, leaning into the more divine feminine energy of being open to receive, right? And that abundance even was something that we needed to allow that would come to us, that we don't have to stretch and, and struggle and, and go for and, you know, drag to us. That was the old paradigm, right? We were moving into very yin energy from very yang energy. And the yang energy was about life purpose. And the struggle in that gate, the gate one where the South Node was at that point in time, was really about, I've got to find my life purpose. What is my life purpose? And we're, you know, going crazy trying to find our life purpose. And you find that your life purpose isn't a thing that you do. It's a combination of how you use your gifts and your talents and you follow your heart. You're following your heart into your life purpose. Then we got them moved over to the 2444, and that's where they have been most recently, where we were learning about releasing baggage. The 44 is holding on to the past. And what we learned with the South Node in the 44 is that we're holding on to a whole bunch of you know what, like just stuff, and that we need to release that excess baggage. And part of that is about moving to the North Node at the 24, which is about seeing the blessings in all of the experiences that we've had, even the not so pleasant ones, right? So we were looking for the blessings by releasing the past. Now we are moving into the last gate. Well, there's a, a, a transition gate that will still come, but we're moving into the last fully Scorpio Taurus gates. And that is the North node at 27, the South node at 28. Now the 27 is considered a gate of love. It's not one of the four crosses of the vessel of love, but it is a gate of love and it's the gate of caring and feeding, nourishing, taking care of, uh, nurturing energy. It's about giving love to support our children and to support those in need. It's a very humanitarian kind of feel to this energy. 
and it's you know giving love and support to those to the weakest links right the weakest links and you've heard this saying before you know any group or any any tribe or community is only as strong as their weakest links and children are often our weaker links and the elderly are our weaker links and if we only play to the strength of the middle then we're missing out on taking care of the next generation and we're also taking you're missing out on the wisdom of the older generation so we have to take care of both giving love and support to both ends you know but it also starts with giving love to oneself that's the piece that we've been missing if you will in the gene keys we see this gate pretty clearly um, actually in the lowest expression it's selfishness in the gift level it's altruism in the highest and best the city it is selflessness and yet if you read that gene key you'll see that selflessness is not about sacrificing yourself to others selflessness can only happen when you have given to yourself first right when you have strengthened yourself so that you have enough to give to others now in quantum human design the 27 is called accountability and that comes about when we are when we have a tendency to over nurture or to smother mother perhaps that's another word that we can or a phrase that we can use so we have to learn to care but without over caring and in fact, what we have to do is allow others to become accountable for their own selves. So rather than doing things for everybody, doing all the stuff for your kids, teach your kids how to take care of themselves and become accountable, right? Helping those that are weaker to better themselves, right? So, you know, struggling with what do we do to help our, our weakest links isn't about giving them everything they need. It's about helping, you know, what's that saying? Give a man a fish he'll eat for one day, but if you teach a man to fish, then he'll eat for the rest of his life kind of thing, right? So how do we, how do we become a citizenry that, that holds people accountable, but also doesn't just throw them out to the wolves and say, here, figure it out for yourself, right? We have to be able to have support, but that is support that is leading them to become accountable for themselves. So we're teaching responsibility right? And then also becoming responsible ourselves. But we also in this particular gate have to let go of a tendency to feel guilty or to feel shame, being, you know, accountable for things that weren't ours to be accountable for, you know, feeling guilty about how, you know, your, your, siblings don't do as well as you do perhaps or any number of things right especially you know as a mother i always feel this like i have to take you know better care of my kids my kids are adults i've taught them everything they need to know to live and survive and, and thrive uh, but sometimes when you know something's happening in their life i'm like oh gosh what could i have done better you know did i do something better that has got to go right that is something that needs to be shifted and uh, let go of self-care becomes very important now that the node is moving into 27 or has already moved into 27 for all intents and purposes so we have to learn to fill our own cups first right if you are thirsty and dying from thirst how can you help others right if you 
are not taking care of yourself and your own energy? How do you have energy to give to others or to help others? So we have to learn to fill our own cup. And that's been something that other people have labeled as selfish or self-centered. And of course, that's a slippery slope, as I always say, because we do need to be self-centered. We can't help other people if we don't you know, have that ability to stay centered in our own selves, to take care of our own selves. We don't need to let it slip into selfishness or being overly self-centered, but we need to have our own cups filled. So we're releasing codependency. We're releasing guilt. We're releasing shame. We're releasing guilt that we have ourselves, but also how we try to make other people guilty right? <laughs> That's a two-way street. So we have to, we're releasing martyrdom, re releasing all of that kind of uh, 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 victim sort of energy, right? Victiminess. And instead, what we're going to be looking at is how do we create wellness? How do we create a, a space for thriving? How do we create a space of supportiveness for one another? right? That's what this gate will lead us to in the North Node. Now, that requires a shift from the north, no, uh, South Node. Sorry, I forgot to plug my laptop in. There we go. So the South Node, remember, is holds anchor points, right? Anchor points where things have happened and that's imprinted upon us in our, in our past. Things have happened in our past. It's imprinted upon us. And that then breeds reactive responses to or within us that bring back up those fears or um, come up for us to look at so that we can release, right? That's the whole idea. The South Node releases. So what is it that we're releasing when we're looking at Scorpio? Because now we're in that Scorpionic energy. That's where the South Node is. And the gate here is the gate 28, which is on the spleen center. So the lower left uh a triangle that's pointing inward toward the sacral. And that gate, all the gates on the spleen have a tendency to, to double as fear gates, right? There's paralysis points there. And the paralysis here might be about aimlessness or purposeless struggle. Um, and that leads us to exhaustion, right? Leading us to exhaustion, refusing to take action when we know that action is called for, but we get stuck, we get paralyzed by the fear. We might be staying stuck from fear of pain uh, or the struggle or a fear of failure what, of, of what's happened in the past, right? Last time I took this step forward, this happened. And that is what we talk about as an anchor point, right? If that is anchored in your emotional body or it's anchored in your, or anchored in your physical body. And uh, as you approach doing something new, that old comes up first. So we're releasing that, right? It's coming up so that we'll see it and release it. Otherwise, it just stays there as an anchor point, right? It's just staying there for the next time that something comes up that we need to take a new step forward and we're going, ah, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, right? Last time I took something new, I fell and I hit my head. <laughs> no, we don't want to hold on to all of that. We want to be able to take those moves. And in the process that releases us from victim consciousness, which is a big big theme that's going to carry us all the way through March and even through all of Saturn's transit through Pisces, which will be March of this year uh, to January, I think it is, of 2025. You're going to be learning these lessons for a while. And then 
The other part of this that becomes the really beautiful part of the South Node is that from our experiences of dealing with struggle, dealing with pain or dealing with purposelessness or aimlessness, that we share those experiences with others and how we move through them, right? We share, we empower people from our own experiences to move through. So we're teaching others from our experiences. Now, teaching others from our experiences can happen two ways. It could be about the positive direction, like I too had this issue and this is what I, how I dealt with it or what I did to move myself forward. But on the other hand, we could be sort of the passive experiencer and people looking at us as an example of what not to do, right? Of how not to be. So we might very easily see the more negative aspects of that in other people. And, you know, I encourage you that if you're seeing that struggle or that, you know, getting stuck energy in other people, that you look at it in yourself as well, because it's not going to be outside of you unless it's also inside of you. So being able to use that as a way to call up the experience, to release the pain around that experience and to move forward uh, without getting stuck in the past. Now, there can also be the 28 um, can be associated with addictions. There would have to be other things that might come up around that in your life, uh, but you might have as a part of your experience, the struggle with addictions and how you overcame that right? And, and be able then to help others. The high side of the 28, right? Because we got to look at both sides. We've just talked about what are we releasing here? Uh, but on the high side, it's about how we can persevere and endure with the correct thing to struggle for, right? That's where we talk about picking your battles wisely, right? We are designed to struggle, but not suffer, right? Suffering is optional, but we do struggle. And if we're struggling for the right thing, something that's got value, something near and dear to our heart, something that we hold passion around, then this gives us the perseverant energy to stick with it until we see the benefit of our struggle. Um, seeing life as an adventure as well is a part of this energy. It's a journey. And all of these little things that happen and the big things that happen are part of our journey in this lifetime. And then the other high side is about sticking with what is truly valuable and worthy of creating and then bringing it into our lives, right? Is it a worthy endeavor? And if it is, then using endurance to stick with it until you get what you want. Now, as a final word here, we need to be able to synthesize both the North Node and the South Node. We need them both right? That we can't just go, I'm just ignoring everything from the South node because I only want what the North node has to offer. Eh, ain't going to work, right? You need to be able to embrace them both and synthesize them both, not push the South node away uh, to embrace the North because it's a sure bet if you do that, that the same issues are going to come up. If, if you have repeating patterns in your life by chance, those are things likely where you've been pushing it away rather than diving in to the experience to really see what it is that it's trying to show you, right? What are you, what are you needing to learn here? All right. Oh, let's see here. Uh, release the poo, JLo says, indeed. And uh, yep, the spiritual energetic dump, Tom says, this too shall pass like the wind. <laughs> sure thing. Give a spoon, take a shovel. <laughs> 
I love that. Uh, that's from Treat Yourself. And Tina, good morning to you. She says, I'm learning to call it self-centering. Oh, I love that. I'm going to steal that from you. We're self-centering. I love it. Uh, Tina also says, uh, oh, no, she was, sorry, Tina. I did say that you were the one that said you called it self-centering. I love it. JLo's life work is 27 and evolution is 28. So I need to prepare and take notes. Good job, right? This is going to be impactful for you because it's mirroring something that you're learning in your own life, right? Now, for most of you, you don't have necessarily the 27 uh, and the 28 as your north and south nodes. You, you may or may not. I don't, right? My north and south nodes are somewhere else. Yours are always the lessons that you are learning and the things that uh, you are needing to release. But the transits will bring up things that maybe you least expect, right? You don't necessarily see those things clearly. Maybe you don't see where it is you give too much of yourself without having your own cup full or self-centering, right? Uh, maybe that you have a lot of baggage that that is causing you to stop getting even moving toward your own north node. So we, we have to, to take in both sets, right? Our own and the transiting one. All right. Now, by the way, those nodes transit through uh, Taurus or through the 27 and 28 from February 6th until June 23rd. Now, June 23rd is not yet the shift to Aries and Libra, but it will be that one gate that's kind of teetering on the edge of Aries, Libra and of Scorpio, Taurus. So we don't need to get into that now, but there will be one last little lesson that we'll have in the Taurus Scorpio before we actually move into Aries and Libra in July. Okay, that's it for me today. Uh, let's pull a card. I'm going to pull a spirit animal and let's pull an angel guide. You're kind of shining at me. So let's pull this for our week ahead. And remember on Friday we had moth. <laughs> I meant to tell Jennifer that this weekend. <laughs> She's the one of my daughters that doesn't like moths. She would have freaked out about moths. Okay, and this week we are Fox Spirit. Very cute. It, it's card 27 too. <laughs> That's the North Nodes number, 27. And it says, think on your feet, Fox. It's a beautiful little fox. Think on your feet, card 27, which numerologically is a nine. So it implies something completing. It, in, it implies an ending perhaps. Uh, it also implies using your intuition or your gut instinct. Uh, to maneuver through the week. And 27 is going to be at this end. Fox Spirit says, be alert now for Fox Spirit has appeared and you are meant to move swiftly. Let this clever spirit draw out your creativity as you adjust to rapidly changing circumstances with resilience, grace, and astuteness. Fox Spirit helps you to think on your feet, using your best judgment and wits to help you slip into a more advantageous situation. Now is not time to hesitate, but a time for swift action of the mind, a time to think outside the box and notice the many ways in which you might make a move uh, or uh, be aware of your surroundings and always clear on what you deserve and wish to co-create. Trust that your cleverness guided by Fox Spirit will serve you well. Mm, that's a good one. Fox 
spirit. All right, now let's do an angel. And this is from the Kyle Gray deck, angel, the angel guide oracle. And the other one was a Colette Baron Reed deck called Animal Spirit. Okay, and we get ease and grace. Ease and grace. I like that. Ease and grace. Look how easy he feels, right? And ease and grace says, this is a time to learn and adapt. You are being guided to slow down. How funny. <laughs> Fox says, take fast action. And this one says, take your time. Take in the current moment and allow space for events to occur. You often put too much pressure and expectation on yourself, and this is not required. Also, with constant effort and rush, you'll find yourself becoming overwhelmed and tired. When you are too forceful, you use up too much energy, and that may hinder your progress at this time. If you are in a difficult situation to at work or with other people, don't feel you have to prove your skills or talents or worth. Just step back and breathe, and through grace, you will be seen, understood, and recognized for who you truly are. You are being guided to flow like water. Don't feel the need to rush or force your way ahead. A gentle approach will be more rewarding. Have patience and move with subtlety and grace. Your angel guide is encouraging you to see life as a dance. One step at a time, you will make your way through the incredible journey, learning more and growing along the way. How can you move with more elegance? How can you slow down? How can you bring more grace and poise to your current situation? This is a time to soften, breathe, and move in a way that is steady but flowing. This information may come as a surprise or even a challenge to you, but your angels know it will be beneficial for what is coming your way next. <laughs> Sounds like we need balance, right? So we have Fox Spirit, think on your feet, and ease and grace, take action with ease and grace. Love it. All right. That is it for me today, guys. Take care. I will see you on Friday and we'll talk about what is coming up for the weekend. And uh, thank you so much for joining me. See you Friday.